I want to read to you from a speech Mark Carney, who's the governor of the Bank of England and chair of the Financial Stability Board. This is a speech he gave in 2015. Quote, Climate change is the tragedy of the horizon. We don't need an army of actuaries to tell us that the catastrophic impacts of climate change will be felt beyond the traditional horizons of most actors, imposing a cost on future generations that the current generation has no direct incentive to fix. So, what he's talking about here is the idea of long-termism. More specifically, he's talking about long-term investing. Because investors, they almost uniformly just move fast. Michael Lewis's book, Flash Boys, talks about how time in equity markets is measured in nanoseconds, not years or quarters. And Mark Carney is recognizing that possibly the biggest problem facing markets today isn't going to be measured in nanoseconds. It's going to be measured over a much longer period. He goes on in the speech to announce a plan. Well, more like a team. It's sort of a super team. And yes, it's actually chaired by an eccentric billionaire. He announces the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure, the TCFD. But don't let the incredibly unsexy name fool you because this task force, it just might change the way every investor thinks about their portfolio. Welcome to ESG Now. I'm your host, Matt Muscardi. And on today's show, we're going to talk about how TCFD's recommendations are changing the way we think about investing and how a method to model uncertainty, the uncertainty of climate change, might actually come from a really unlikely source. And for the first time, thanks to the influence of this disclosure task force, you might actually be coerced into joining a gang. So Mark Carney's task force, the TCFD members, all representatives from across the financial sector, they begin their work in 2016. And it's important to keep in mind here that this task force was assembled by a regulator. So whatever they produce, investors are paying attention. And after a year of discussion and three months of public consultation and countless meetings and what I'm sure was a stunning amount of pretty terrible conference room coffees, the TCFD announces its recommendations to investors. Uh, it asks um, uh, companies, essentially, it's a, a disclosure standard, TCFD, which asks companies to, uh, to actually provide further information about all the risks that are related to climate change, be that a physical risk or be, be it a risk from operations. Uh, but the main point is that um, it goes actually to uh, the extent of uh, asking companies above one billion uh, USD in revenue to conduct um, a two-degree um, two uh, warming testing scenario and provide the results to the investors. That was Antonius Panagotopoulos. He's our research analyst covering the oil and gas sector. And what he's saying is that TCFD, this task force, is essentially asking for two things. First, give us better disclosure which only makes sense for a task force on disclosure to be asking for. But second, and arguably much, much bigger, give investors 
a scenario analysis. Something that says, if the world warms by two degrees, this is what's gonna happen to me. And when it comes to that, well, there's a catch. And it's sort of a big catch, because it turns out, and don't tell anybody this, but investors aren't actually that good at long-term scenario analysis. Which means investors are turning to some unlikely and incredibly ironic places where they can learn. It's a little bit ironic that the uh, people that have been refining and using scenarios for a long time have been actually um, um, companies in the oil and gas sector precisely because they need to deal with uh, a lot of uncertainty. They have long horizon. They talk about uh, uh, investments that are of, of big amounts and they've been refining uh, over the years the way they, they look at scenario shell being probably the, the best example on, on that front. And so the irony is, is in fact that on the topic of climate change, uh, investors are not using scenarios generally, or at least not long-term scenarios. And so it's probably um, a useful uh, step um, uh, for them to start uh, doing that exercise. That was Remy Brienne. He's the head of ESG products here, and he sits on MSCI's executive committee. And that irony that Remy's talking about, it's pretty thick. Because not only are oil and gas companies the largest contributors to climate change, but they've actually been alleged to actively fight regulations around climate change, and for decades, particularly in the U.S. It's an irony that hasn't been lost on the Attorney General of New York, who opened an investigation into Exxon in 2015 for, quote, misleading investors on the issue of climate change. And as if it couldn't get any thicker, today, those same companies are actually asking the U.S. federal government for protections from increasingly severe weather on the Texas coast due to, I'm not kidding you, climate change. In fact, I'll just read you the AP headline. Quote, Big Oil asks government to protect it from climate change. But investors are still turning to oil and gas for tips on long-term scenario modeling because they're so good at understanding long-term uncertainty. But Remy pointed out to me, there's actually something they might not be as good at. They very unironically don't account for advances in renewable energy. When you actually look at the scenarios that are out there, uh, what and we've done that exercise, what's really interesting is that a lot of the scenarios that are actually um, you know, uh, publicly available and have been widely used, they either originated from the oil and gas industry and so so they tend to have assumptions built in. So you, you tend to have scenarios where you have a combination of a very slow um, uh, take up or adoption of renewable electric vehicle, and then you know, a, um, you know, uh, a reduction in carbon very rapid, but you know, very far away uh, due to uh, uh, cap carbon capture and storage. And, and, um, and I think what's missing is what I would call a technology-driven uh, scenario, which is um, uh, an hypothesis that uh, the new technology uh, in renewable, in particular solar, is, is one that is driven much more by cost reduction that are, that are closer to 
what you see in the semiconductor industry, uh, which is costs are going down and down and down and down and down, and it almost never stops. And as a consequence, you start seeing what I call breaking point. So investors will soon have a host of new data and scenarios at their fingertips. Data about climate from companies, data about long-term uncertainty they're culling from the oil and gas sector, and data about new technologies. All of which gets you to the point where you might be able to tell which companies in your portfolio would survive a two-degree temperature rise and which may end up victims of some future zombie apocalypse. And if you're like me, you've got all this data, you're feeling pretty good, you're sitting alone in your room, quietly petting a cat, watching reruns of daytime television, and you're probably mumbling to yourself, well, now what? The scenario analysis is super helpful for understanding where the risks are in your portfolio and what things might look like going forward into the future in, in different types of scenarios. But it doesn't really tell you what to do next. You know, it's, it's the measurement. You know, if what gets measured gets managed, scenario analysis is just the measurement part. So you get, there's been a big move over the last two to three years of investors doing fossil fuel divestment, where they get themselves out of or make a policy to exclude stocks of companies that are involved in fossil fuels in one way or another. That was Megan Eastman. Megan runs our screening research team. You might actually recognize her voice from one of our earlier episodes on women in management. And Megan's talking about one of basically three choices every investor has. You can buy a stock, you can hold a stock, and you can sell a stock. And students on college campuses across the U.S. have actually been lobbying their universities pretty hard to divest from fossil fuel companies since author and social activist Bill McKibben modeled a climate divestment movement after the South African apartheid divestment movement in the 80s. But there are problems with divestment. Divestment is actually sort of just a one-time thing because... Once you've sold, you've sold. Not only are you selling out of some of the companies who are researching forms of renewable energy in some cases, but you're also selling your ability to influence those companies. And Megan talked about the other way. If you divest, the companies are still out there doing their thing. You haven't actually changed anything for the climate. Whereas if you engage with companies, you may be able to influence their behavior to actually reduce their carbon impact over time, which would, in fact, help solve your own problem as an investor, but also help solve the larger problem of climate change. Engagement usually takes the form of a conversation with the companies directly and their management teams or through voting your proxies. And engagement in the past tends to be really slow like painfully slow, like multi-decadal slow in some cases. But TCFD, this task force, their recommendations, they might actually change that. If you're an investor who owns just a few shares of a company you want to engage with, that's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. And even the largest pension funds in the world only own a few percent or less of any given company. But recently, investors, they're sort of starting gangs. It's something we call beta engagement, and it happens when huge investors band together and vote collectively on a single issue to push companies into giving them what they want. So this very thing happened in 2014, when a few pretty big investors in the U.S. wanted the ability to nominate their own board members, something called proxy access. And at the time, it was offered by less than 1% of the constituents of the MSCI USA index. So these investors... They banded together, 
to vote the issue. And by the end of 2016, more than 40% of the constituents on the MSCI USA index actually allowed the practice. So today, armed with the recommendations of the Climate Disclosure Task Force, the TCFD, Antonio's pointed out to me that the same thing isn't just possible, it's actually likely because TCFD has given investors some common ground and a common language they can use to start a new gang war. Uh, we believe now that with TCFD being an all-encompassing disclosure, that it may uh, you may see uh, it uh, a proposal on TCFD being supported by blocks of shareholders, and then for and therefore reaching higher levels of uh, uh, acceptance. So I, I had to ask Antonius. I've now joined a TCFD-inspired gang. I I went out and got myself some tattoos. I learned the secret handshake, and I bullied myself some companies into focusing on climate. But how do I know if it's actually working? So uh, overall in the energy sector, um, including oil and gas and utilities, uh, there has been an average a 26% increase in votes in favor for climate change-related proposals uh, in the various companies' AGMs. I may still have to hit the gym, but that sure sounds like a start. So that's our show today. I want to thank Remy Briand, Antonios Panagotopoulos, and Megan Eastman for joining me. I'm your host, Matt Muscardi, and I do have an announcement. We are looking for someone to join our team and work on this podcast with me. So if you're interested in ESG, you have some research chops and an eye for a story, reach out to me at matt.muscardi at msci.com or hit me at LinkedIn. And if you have feedback on the show, send that to me too, because I'd love to hear from you. If you like ESG Now, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. We're trying to bring you as many interesting environmental, social governance, investing stories on a weekly basis as we can. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I need to address something with the financial sector. If you're listening, financial sector, we need to talk about acronyms. ESG, TCFD, EDTF, SRI, MSCI. I think you may have an addiction. And frankly, no one but you knows what you're talking about. Maybe that's the point, but if you do want to be understood, let's talk because it isn't too late to start giving things real names. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc.'s subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research LLC, a registered investment advisor under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or a promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is 
and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.